So today you guys have the pleasure of getting to listen to and get to know my good friends Dan and Pam Engel today. Um, Danny and I met almost 13 years ago when I'd come back from university volunteering together at uh, McCoon Youth Group. And we kind of had one of those, uh, did we just become best friends moments. Um, we both were, we were just talking about this morning, how we both remember that first time we sat down and talked together. And uh, Danny's been there for me through thick and thin, and I try and be there for him too. We, uh, he came with me um, on one of my drives out to visit when I uh, was first meeting Heather. Um, I remember him talking about, oh, I'm, I'm talking to this girl, Pam. Um, we were groomsmen for each other's wedding. Um, I've been so blessed by Danny's friendship and and seeing him with you know with my kids and stuff like he's just got an amazing heart and a, an amazing love for kids and and um, and I've always I've just really appreciated his friendship when he I know that I can trust him to tell me what I need to hear not just what I want to hear and uh, he's just been a real blessing to me and I and I'm really excited when he started talking about this this ministry and. Uh, He'll, he'll tell you the rest. I'm just on the verge of tears, so. <laughs> and, and Ryan was not only a groomsman, he was the best man. So. So we'll move right into the next slide there, because then you get to see our ugly mugs. Uh, so we are Dan and Pam Engel. We work with NCM. You saw our, as you entered the church, our lovely display there. And uh, NCM. NCEM exists to fulfill the Great Commission of Jesus Christ among and in partnership with the Aboriginal peoples of Canada and related people groups. Our vision, by faith, to establish strong, indigenous, multiplying churches. We are here to ask you to join our team. There's a mailing list sign-up sheet at the back. Through prayer is, is one way you can join our team. Prayer is so vital. The support of prayer... Going into places, we need God's direction and protection. Financial ways. We have faith that God will supply all our needs. If you feel led to support, you can do so by grabbing one of our packets, our prayer cards, or going on to the ncem.ca website. Also, uh, by encouragement. God uses us to glorify Him by your experiences, stories, and possibly by scripture. If God is telling you to text one, text someone praying for you, there's always a reason. When we were going through our training in November, we got a text praying for you, and it was exactly what we needed. This summer, I had the most amazing summer ever. God broke down some pretty key walls in my life, and I was serving with this amazing organization. You might have heard of it before. It's called Child Evangelism Fellowship. Any, anyone ever hear of this? Cindy, you ever hear of it? 
Um, I, I echo, I echo going to these banquets, but I also echo it is by far the easiest way to reach kids in your community. Um, I was sent up to uh, northern Saskatchewan um, due to Trudeau making us check the, not check or not check the box. Uh, CEF lost $120,000 this year in government grants. So the university students, whoop, they've found jobs elsewhere. But in the meantime, Jerry set up a, a fund that up right to the beginning of summer raised $90,000 on top of the normal expenses that they were raising. So they were able to pay for people to be sent abroad. And uh, I, had a, um, I had a job that supplied my needs and uh, out of faith, uh, God put me into CEF and uh, I headed up north. So we can click through there. Yeah, so five day clubs. Absolutely the best way to minister to kids in your community without you having to do too much. Talk to Cindy. Every backyard in this church better be filled with a worker this summer. There should be no reason why not. We were talking in Sunday school this morning about time and priorities. And what was the... Someone said in Sunday school, basically when you say that you don't have time, you don't have a priority for it. And uh, there should be no excuse why, whether you're in the middle of the boonies like uh, the Nixons or in the middle of the city, that you shouldn't have a club at your house. Make the priority. It is the easiest way to reach your community for Christ. So I went up north. And when I say north, I was actually corrected by our coordinator up there that we're on the southern tip of the north. <laughs> so I was in 10 reserves, four Métis communities, three churches, one backyard, and 14,000 kilometers in six weeks. Uh, there was one other guy that went up to northern uh, Alberta. He did 20,000 kilometers in those six weeks. And he went all the way into northwest territories a bit. Uh, change, it changes your life. It stretches you. Now, this is the Hydem in Your Heart Bible. This is the Bible that CEF has developed. It's a new King James Bible. This Bible, the kids are grabbing hold of it. They're hugging it. They're, there's more requests for this Bible in the north. We sent up 20. We had to take an extra two. Uh, the, the ladies group at Heritage Alliance Church bought me a case of Bibles just last week. A case of Bibles roughly costs about 200 bucks. Uh, there's no, Jerry doesn't collect. Kristen, you phone Kristen at the CEF 1-800 number. You say, I'm buying a box of Bibles for Dan and Pam, and we just go in there and we pick them up. And I guarantee you, there's, this Bible is going to a little girl in Big Stone. And that leads into some... For us, we're, we're going to be serving in five main communities. And as you can see, these are kilometers away from, from Prince Albert. In a week, Pam and I move full-time into Prince Albert. So we're uh, jittery. We're going to be loading trucks in the cold and unloading truck. But uh, So Big Stone is in the range. It's one of the smaller reserves, but it's the most impacted that the kids are suffering. It's extremely suffering. 
And uh, we're going to be setting up an after... Oh, I'm leading into your stuff. (laughs) I like to talk. And then Montreal Lake is north of... uh, An hour north of PA. Timber Bay is just 20 kilometers around the lake. Little Red River and Buffalo Narrows is 406 kilometers up the other side of... uh, uh, Prince Albert National and an hour south of La Loche. So when we're working in Buffalo Narrows, there is opportunity to go around to some of these other communities. These are some areas that we're going to hit once or twice in the uh, in the year. Um, seeing the kilometers, there's nothing there that's less than a hundred. Lots of driving, lots of places, lots of isolation. And uh, there is, uh, our job is kind of a unique one. We get to follow up two Bible camps that NCM runs, Big River Bible Camp, which is outside Big River, and Pine Ridge Bible Camp, which is outside Beauval. But the other unique thing is, we get to do all the follow-up from CEF north of PA, which is, I was in most of these communities and CEF has been in all these communities in the last year. So uh, it's fun, absolutely fun. I get to work with the coordinator up there named Katriana Epp and Pam and I were coordinators for CEF in the Assiniboy area for many years and uh, yeah I cannot say enough things about CEF. It led us, uh, I came back from the summer and uh, led us to to uh, join NCEM and still keep a huge partnership with CEM. This is Big Stone, the uh, Healing Hearts Church. What we'll be doing in Big Stone is working with the local body of Christ to set up an after-school program aiming at giving kids skills Once a week, the kids will prepare, cook, and clean up a meal with guidance of volunteers. We can feed these kids, give them life skills, and share the gospel in a couple of hours. This method can open up many opportunities in the future. So you have to click a couple times to get to the next slide, I think. It's uh, unique. I was setting up this slide. I was half awake, but this park bench is actually not in a park. It's in a, it's in a yard of a lady in Timber Bay. She uh, said yes to having a club, a sea, uh, child evangelism five-day club in her yard. And yeah, this park bench signifies hope. On this park bench, one Friday afternoon, three 11-year-olds came to know the Lord. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. If you ever get to share Christ with kids and they come to know the Lord, you see this, their, their eyes. You, you see it in their eyes. You see this hopelessness change to absolute hope. It's something that's indescribably to, to fathom, but it's, it's amazing. And if you have the opportunity, young or old, I'm not a young guy anymore. I, I am a little older. I was one of the older people with child evangelism. There is no age limit. I know of, uh, Jerry says there was an 80-year-old woman that would come and 
run it and then she'd mentor some into the positions for many years. So there is no age limit to sharing the gospel to children. Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Hope. Hope. So I asked my wife to she gets to sit down and listen to me now and she might have a snooze in the back because she's heard me talk a couple times. Um, John 14, 6 was one of the passages that this summer was a, a verse that uh, these kids memorized all around Saskatchewan and Alberta. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If there is someone in this congregation right now that doesn't understand these words, that doesn't understand that you sitting in this pew will not get you to heaven, you, you, you have to understand that what I'm about to tell you in my message is about this hope. If you don't, have, if you don't know where you're going at the end of this life, I, this is the day. This is the day that Jesus is calling you to come to a personal relationship with him. Jesus Christ died on the cross for each one of our sins. We're all sinners. We're all equal under his eyes. This is the day that you need to come under his authority and say, hey, Jesus, I know I am a sinner. I know you died for me, and I know you're here to Will you please come into my life? Will you please take over? If there's someone in this crowd, there's many people that have been up on this, this stage. There's people at the back there. Find an elder. Find Cindy Doe. Find someone. And say, I want Jesus. Because the next stuff, it doesn't help if you don't know Jesus. So I'm, my title of my sermon this week is, Why Are You Worried? Does anyone worry around here? Anyone, any, anyone ever get worried? Show of hands. Oh, only half the congregation. I better leave. Why are you worried? So I have a cartoon in the next clip. It's kind of funny because someone actually said this in Sunday school class and my uh, wife and I were laughing. I guess it's been wrong always to be worrying about tomorrow. Maybe we should think only about today. No, that's giving up. I still, I'm still hoping that yesterday will get better. I love peanuts. Um, so true. We're hoping that yesterday will get better. Um, so our passage this week is found in Matthew 6. 24 to 34. I do have it on an overhead slide because we've been in churches where most people don't have Bibles. And worry is the verb. Worries, worried, worried, worrying. To give way to anxiety or unease, allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or troubles. The noun for it is a state of anxiety and uncertainty over actual or potential problems. 
And I emphasize potential problems. Uh, it creates anxieties, disturbance, perturbation, trouble, bother, and distress. Now, we'll move to the next slide. This is Matthew Henry. Uh, he's an old, he has an old commentary that is like thick, very thick, very old school type uh, jargon in it, but he doesn't pull any punches. So it is a disquieting, tormenting thought which hurries the mind hither and thither and hangs it in, su in suspense which disturbs our joy in God and is a damp upon our hope in him which breaks the sleep and hinders our enjoyment of ourselves, our friends, and of what God has given us. Worry. A distrustful, unbelieving thought God has promised to provide for those that are in are his all things needful for life as well as godliness. The life that now is, food and the covering, not dainties, but necessities. That's why I put it back there, because I stumbled through some of this stuff. Um, so you can actually know what my, interpret what I'm saying. So, Matthew 6, 24 to 31 it is the Sermon on the Mount for disciples, for fishermen, two sets of families, just were called by Jesus to follow him. And he's speaking to them. Matthew still isn't in the picture, so Matthew being a tax collector who is meticulous for numbers and being accurate and right, especially when he's collecting the taxes, and accurate to get what he needs and probably a little more is taking the accounts of these four guys and some others that were there. So Jesus is talking to fishermen, uneducated fishermen, the common man. So in this part's you know, the farmer, the oil field worker, the journeyman electrician, you know, you name it, the common folk. But luckily, most of us are educated, most of us. I won't say who's not, but... So that sets up into verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And mammon's definition is material wealth or possessions, especially as having a debasing influence. Wealth or money. You cannot serve God and you can't serve money. And you, in, when you start out with this passage, you sit there and say, why did you start with this verse? Because the first word of the next verse is therefore, which refers back to that verse. And therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they. 
Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? One inch. So I'm sure there's some tall teenagers around here that are growing constantly. That's not you adding to it. That's God. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is, and tomorrow is, which is today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith. Therefore, another therefore. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall I eat? Or shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But, but, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I'm going to read 33 again. Because we talk about, he, he talks about all these things we're not supposed to do. And then it comes to one command that we're supposed to do. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. It's not seek ye last. It's not seek ye tomorrow. It's not seek ye yesterday. It's seek first. In every day, you want to be seeking God first for the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. It's not saying that if you put your hope in God, that everything will be peachy. We all know that. We all know that we have our trials and we have our problems, but we also have our hope. We have our hope in Jesus Christ because he has promised us to take care of our needs. He has not only promised us in Matthew, but he's promised us in other places. And there's five things God's children should never worry about. Being forsaken, feeling useless, the future, feeling unforgiven, and bothering God with prayer. You're good back there. I like that. So, being forsaken. In Hebrews 13.5, it says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God promises to us that he is by our side. From that day forth, when we say, yes, God, we will follow you, he's never going to leave us, and he's never going to forsake us. Feeling useless. When you step out in ministry, when you do all those travels beyond, you realize that you have no control. And that feeling of uselessness actually starts to go away. And uh, I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 12, 
12 to 31, it talks about the body of Christ and that the, uh, the hand cannot work without the other parts of the body and, and no part is any more important than the other. We all here in this congregation have different skills, different passions. Some may be quiet, some may be loud like Ryan. And, uh, but we all together work as one body. And that's not in this church alone, that's beyond. What Pam and I get to do is we are working with children and youth and in the north, the, the body of Christ is so segmented. Um, there is plenty of Christian people on the reserves, but they don't know who the other Christian people are. So first, it's to find out who they are. The second of it is if there is not a children's or youth program, we're going to create one using that body of Christ. Big Stone is... is, a, is by far an exciting thing that we hit the ground running. We've actually gone up to the ranch and started the groundwork to that. And the other thing about the reserves is the kids are so transient. They may have a brother or a sister 500 kilometers away in another reserve, all the way from east to west. And they move around rapidly. Every three months is not uncommon. Uh, fathers are leaving mothers to go to other women and it's not once, it's sometimes multiple times. And it is broken families, and the ones that pay the price are these kids. And we're going up to, to create something that even without us will sustain. We're going up to just encourage, equip. Uh, CEF has actually donated all their old material for us to take up, flannel graph, whatever, to be used everywhere in the north. So, uh, Jerry just told me that the other day. I, I, emotions are just like, whoa. So, yeah. The body of Christ, everyone is equal. Each one of you is equal. We're all sinners. We all started as sinners. We are all sanctified. We are all in Christ. We're in the body. We have to, have to work together. <clears throat> And everyone has a use. The future. Jeremiah 29, 11, we, we read that. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. In John 14, 1 to 3, it says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If, you, if that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Future. Feeling unforgiven. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Does anyone not have that verse in their head? Anyone? Memorize scripture. This is the most powerful verse to use with, with, with people as you're sharing who Jesus is. 
He is faithful. He is willing to forgive anything and everything. And the last one is bothering God with prayer. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. The, the unique thing is that we taught the kids this summer was you can pray to God anytime, anywhere, whether you're in your bed, walking to school, eating your breakfast, whatever. He is willing to hear you. And that's the same for each one of you today. We should be constantly in prayer, connecting ourselves with God. This summer, my first day that I set out, I set out from Regina, and I went to Denaire Beach. It's an eight and a half hour drive. Three of those hours, at least, is in a dead zone, no cell coverage. And I'm sitting there going, oh, what did I do? I'm leaving my wife. I'm leaving my dog. It sounded like a country song. (laughs) And I'd get down the road, and I'd just feel this emptiness. I'd be in tears. And suddenly this peace would come over me. I knew people were praying for me. When Pam talked about the text that we got that I'm praying for you. It was actually from our associate pastor. And that day we were, we were in, a, in a course of uh, uh, spiritual warfare. That was our day. And the devil was doing his darndest to stop us from doing this. Uh, a couple days, uh, I think it was that morning, the Tuesday or whatever, Um, got a text from my mom that my adopted grandparent, so a couple that got married later in life, I was just in his house on the Friday sharing what we were going up to do. He He had a stroke. And so much did I want to go back down south and be with the family. The devil wanted to take us away from what we were training for. Um, my dog, country song again, um, before we left, she had a growth started. It was tiny on her side. When Pam only stayed with us, or stayed up for training for a week because she had to work, my parents came by and picked her up uh, just south of where we were. And uh, first thing, I looked at this growth, and it went from here to there. She had a tumor on the side of her body. We don't have kids, so, you know, there's a little bit more love for the dog. Um... Once again, I wanted to go home and I wanted to fix things. But I stayed where I was. I stayed at training. The one night, the devil tried to come between Pam and I and tried to separate us. He is relentless when you choose to follow him. He is relentless. He wants to create worry in your life. He wants to create doubt in your life. He wants to separate you from God. Worry is a sin. Worry is a sin. And each one of us suffer through it. 
They also say that people preaching often get more convicted in the message than, than the ones hearing it. I, I actually can attest to that. When you're heading into mi- missions, and what's the one thing? Money. That keeps coming into your mind. Will we be able to pay our bills next month? What's going to happen when we step out in faith and we drive the gazillion miles to all these places? Will we have enough gas in the vehicle? When your fridge decides to say, hey, I'm not working, will we have enough money to fix it? Or will we have enough money to replace it? If you're wondering what that is, Yesterday morning, Ryan's fridge decided to spurt out warm air instead of cold air. He fixed it, sort of. We all have our struggles. We all have our worries. And are we willing enough to come under the authority of Jesus Christ and listen to him and he says not to worry? So there is some more verses. Oh, I'm really early. This is good. There's some more verses that are up there, and uh, I'm going to do it from here. Oh yeah, antonyms. I never can pronounce that word properly, but I can do it today, so that's good. Antonyms for worry are calmness, certainty, cheer, comfort, confidence, happiness, joy, pleasure, sureness, trust, unconcern, advantage, calm, contentment, peace, reassurance. I see Jesus Christ in these words. Anyone agree with me? Would you rather feel this in your heart than all those other definitions that I read you before? It's a choice of ours. Are we going to, when that worry comes up, say, hey, I don't have to worry. Because there's a promise that I'm going to be taken care of. So in Matthew, I believe that's the next one. Yeah, good. Uh, when Pam came up here, I saw the, our papers got a little mixed up. So I'm... Mm. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, it says, Come to me, all you are, who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if you look at this passage, it's not saying that we give our yoke and just live freely. We take on his yoke. So that means that if you if you know what a yoke is, it's what goes on the oxen to pull the cart or whatever the work is for that day. So it's not saying that you take the yoke off and do nothing. It's putting his yoke on and doing his work. Think about that. It takes work to follow Christ, but his work. Saying yes to Cindy Doe when she phones you and says, Hey, would you like to have a club? You didn't know I would talk about you this much, right? So yeah, and I know she will call you now that I said that, so 
John 14, 27. Peace I leave you with. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Peace. Twice along that journey, he gave me peace. Twice my sinful nature came up and was worrying about decisions. Um, I was sharing with, I think, Matt last night. Just so you know, uh, Ryan was my best man. Matt Nixon was a groomsman. So uh, there's a lot of connection here. They know that I'm long-winded too, so... Uh, peace. Uh, there's a man I met in Pelican Narrows uh, named Tony Custer. Tony Custer has three daughters, 25 grandchildren. And God told me, you know, as I'm sitting in the midst of this reserve that's supposed to be the nasty reserve, I had peace. I didn't fear anything. God was there with me. And he said to me, just imagine, Dan, that, that grandfather came to know the Lord. Do you know the impact that could be? So uh, I'm actually, I have a good friendship with Tony Custer. You could pray for me and Pam as we go into the community there. Pelican Narrows does not on is the only reserve right now that we cannot find a Christian person on today. There is one guy, he's at Miller, and he's been at Briarcrest. One Christian. 2,500 people, 14 RCMP officers, and 7 tribal police. So 1% of the community is policing. It is a rough community, but it is a very needy community for the Lord. And they, they came... They listened, and I shared the gospel with several of them. So, prayer, huge thing for us. We need a lot of prayer. Uh, we have prayer cards. Please stick it on your fridge, your computer, if you're like Ryan, because the fridge and the computer are about the same time. Um, yeah. So, Second Thessalonians 3.16. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you, with all of you. Psalm fifty-five, twenty-two: Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Oh, no, I will not be shaken. It's a song if you guys don't know. Proverbs twelve, twenty-five: Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Kind words. We can build each other up. We can take, God gives us the ability to take that worry from someone else. First Peter 5, 6 to 8. Humble yourselves. Oh, I think. Yeah. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's hand. Oh, I already read this verse. Oh, no, I didn't. No, we read it this morning. That's why it's. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Be alert and so remind your enemy. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Sunday school classes in First Peter. 
I encourage you to go there. It is lots of, lots of good stuff talked about, lots of stuff shared about. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I've learned it in, even though I walk through the valley. Someone knows it better here than I do. Anyone? Keep going. I like interaction. So, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We know these verses. They're in our hearts. They're in our minds. We've got to bring them to the forefront when we are in worry, when we are in doubt. Hebrews 13, 5 to 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Get on fire for God. Say that God... My Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. Say with confidence. Psalm 56, verse 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. My grandmother, that's been passed for many years, put this in each one of our Bibles in her handwriting. The more she wrote, uh, each one of us grandchildren. This is her verse. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, only not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. We all live in Saskatchewan. It's never a straight, smooth path. Romans 8, 38, 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I learned that at camp, uh, and it stuck with me. I encourage you to learn that song, learn that verse. It is so powerful. Philippians 4, 6-7. to Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, with, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts, and your minds in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.15 Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. So my last slide here, it has a picture of a man walking down tracks and all that. Do not worry about everyday life. Matthew 6.25 And then, of course, I started with peanuts. i got to end with peanuts. 
Worrying won't stop the bad stuff from happening. It just stops you from enjoying the good. So I ask you, why are you worried? Just in case you were sleeping. (laughs) So I'll ask the worship team to come up here and do their final song as I take my mess of papers back to my wife to resort.